1: Welcome to it. Tuesday's here. It's Hail Varsity
2: Radio presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Visit gocurrency.com for more information. It's Elijah Herbal and Connor Clark taking you through this Tuesday edition of Hail Varsity Radio. As Chris Schmidt has the day off today, he is uh, being a chauffeur as uh, he's got to take his wife to and from a routine doctor's appointment, and I uh, was forced to miss a show today. Now, I don't know, that sounds like it's a little insignificant, especially on a day like Valentine's Day, but uh, I tend to believe Schmitty.
3: <sighs> I mean, <laughs> you can't go the golf route today, unfortunately. No, it's way too, too rainy, rainy. But usually that's the way that we would go, probably, is the golf route. Well, maybe, p- maybe yesterday, but...
2: But with Valentine's Day today, it does, it does send the alarm bells going. So, Schmitty, if yeah. you're if you're listening, maybe we need some proof of you uh, <laughs> at the doctor's office. I kid. I kid. Uh, but it's uh, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark, taking you through the show today. Schmitty will be back tomorrow. He'll actually be back tonight for our local listeners as he's got a high school basketball game over on K4. Maybe that's all the proof we need that it's not Valentine's Day plans as he is getting back to work tonight as uh, he will have the Lincoln Southwest boys in action tonight, 730 opening tip. For our local listeners, that's here in Lincoln. Over on our sister station 1240 KFOR. In the meantime, Connor and myself taking you through this Valentine's Day edition today. As we've got a big, big show planned, Mitch Sherman's going to be joining us here in about 20 minutes. Mitch from The Athletic, we're going to get his take on the uh, walk on program, the reduction in size, what it means. Uh, doing a little bit of reading in between the lines there. We'll have Mitch in 20 minutes to talk about that. We'll have Andy Markowski uh, leading off hour two to talk about Husker basketball as they're on the road tonight in Piscataway taking on Rutgers from the rack, which has been a very tough place to go when we'll get Andy's thoughts on the game tonight. And we'll also have some thoughts on Dylan Riola with uh, Georgia changing offensive coordinators. What does that mean for Nebraska? We'll get into that a little bit later this hour. And then also another quarterback in the news today, Derek Carr. He's uh, out as a Las Vegas Raider, and uh, we're going to get our reaction into that here in just a little bit more. I want to start this off. Connor is uh, the tragedy that occurred last night up at Michigan State, a Big Ten brethren, and uh, just awful, awful news to be hearing about that last night. Just want to start off this show by saying our, our hearts are with Michigan State right now, as I know they're a 48-hour uh, cancellation to classes, all athletic events and whatnot. There's a lot of things more important than sports right now and that, was, that is one of those things that is a heartbreaking tragic story and uh, I just wanted to lead off this show by uh, saying that our hearts are with the Spartans and Michigan State today as I know we have some loyal listeners up in Michigan as well uh, who are nearer and dearer to East Lansing uh, than we are, but uh, that was just news that broke last night, really broke my heart to see and uh, well, that's where I wanted to lead the show off.
3: Yeah, it was really unfortunate situation and I mean I, I know a couple of people who go to school there as well and just kinda getting that text about like, hey, this is happening is I mean, obviously one that you never want to get. But um luckily everybody that I know personally was okay and I know there were some casualties, but yeah, just a a terrible situation and we hope that, you know, everything gets better up there and uh, we're we're all thinking about, you know, the, the East Lansing community as a whole, but obviously especially uh, the the Michigan State, you know, family and, and obviously they're in the Big Ten as well and so just kinda of that Big Ten community coming out as well. So that's I guess a positive to come out of this, but um, obviously a terrible situation and uh, we wish, you know, the Spartans nothing but the best going forward. Yeah,
2: our hearts are heavy, but I do also understand the uh, the place of sports in life. And for a lot of people, that's to get away from uh, the, the sad stories in life. I know there's been plenty of them around the United States. Sad, weird, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Heartbreaking, uh, a little bit of everything over the past couple weeks here in America. I know sports is the getaway for a lot of people, myself included. And uh, let's get into sports, Connor. As uh, we, we move away it's from job. that, and I, I'd like to get away from the Valentine's Day subject as well today, because <laughs> Lord knows I don't got no Valentine to go home to tonight. Uh, hey, you know what? I'm right there with you. So <laughs> It's kind of better this way, right? I mean... A lot, lot less stress. In my opinion, not being somebody who is married or, or with Valentine uh, kind of seems like a, a crappy holiday. I would use a stronger word there, but uh, I'm not allowed to. Uh not, not my favorite holiday. We'll move on, though, from, from Valentine's Day get into <laughs> Husker footballs. We've got plenty to talk about. We spent a lot of time yesterday talking about that reduction in the walk-on program. That's forthcoming. I, I said a little earlier we we'll are be talking about that with Mitch. But we do have some strength and conditioning news to get into as hu- football season's over. The Super Bowl ended on Sunday, and now... All eyes look forward to next season. For NFL teams, we get into the, the nitty gritting of scouting, the draft combine, uh, the upcoming NFL draft, building that roster for next year. We already see the Raiders making a move like that today with Derek Carr. But for college football with the Huskers, it's that winter conditioning program in Nebraska with a new regiment. Uh, this season, as they get ready for spring football, it's Corey Campbell. And I was talking with Connor before the show today. Uh, I got the swear jar ready right next to me here today with, uh, with Corey Campbell. It's, it's been tough for me because... You have Corey Campbell, you have Evan Cooper, and I've found myself commonly referring to Corey Campbell as Corey Cooper, noted Husker safety from... Uh, those the end of the boat year. so I got my swear jar ready Connor you better keep me in check here in case I were to say uh, Corey Cooper but this is Corey Campbell referring to Nebraska strength and conditioning coach he sat down with Jessica Cootie on sports nightly last night and gave some thoughts into the Husker strength and conditioning program what he learned from the NFL and obviously there's a lot more to that interview uh, that we can't get into all of it today so we encourage you if you want to go check it out uh, the Husker radio network posted that up on their YouTube page last night Jessica Cootie sit down with Corey Campbell but uh, he got. Got into plenty with Jessica, and uh, I want to look first at just his overall vision for the strength and conditioning program. It's going to be, at least from a Husker fan's hope, a departure from Zach Duval because you think back to the Zach Duval tenure at Nebraska, and, and on paper, at least, uh, what you saw from the outside is these guys looked like absolute monsters. And that's, I think why they got the moniker. We had the one anonymous big 10 coach last off season, call Nebraska, the all bus team. Cause when they get off the bus, they look like a bunch of, of killers. They look like great football players. And then you get them on the field and you just wait for them to shoot themselves in the foot. So the Zach Duval program built guys who looked scary as football players. They looked like they were mean. They looked like they were ready to go. And now, uh, Corey Campbell steps in, and and he's got a a different vision for Husker football strength and conditioning. And he got into that yesterday, uh, his vision overall for the strength and conditioning program for Nebraska, not only uh, here through these winter months, but in a a long-term vision goal as well.
4: The way in which we do program – on our perspective is long-term athletic development, right? When you walk in the door, your programming shouldn't look the same as when you leave out three, four, or five years from now, right? So it is focusing our efforts on the things that are going to allow you to progress where you are, all right? we got to meet you where you're at. You know, and and that looks different over time. So through testing and assessment, right, with our sports science staff, the NAPL, we can identify, hey, where you where you are as an athlete, and what factors do we need to to address in your training to get you to be a better football player? Because that's what those guys are here to be. They're here to be really good football players, right? And. Through through the weight room, like that's like that's an avenue in which you can be that. So from a developmental standpoint, right, it's understanding where you are as an athlete, you know, with respect to your training age and what we need to accomplish for you to be for you to be able to to play um, healthy, successful seasons here for three, four, or five years.
2: And one of the things he said along with that was that that Nebraska the strength and conditioning program is not here to build weightlifters. It's not guys that put up a whole bunch of weight in the gym. Obviously, that's important, but more importantly it is building football players. And I think that is kind of the big difference just from the outside looking in of what we see between Zach Duval's program and the early reports out of Corey Campbell's strength and conditioning program. Is With Zach Duval, as I said earlier, you think about what these guys look like in the weight room. Uh, they, they looked like absolute animals, but I think Corey Cooper's uh, – I did it. I did it right there. There's one in the Mark square jar. Corey Campbell. Uh, I think what he's saying here is, you, you know what? We don't care about these guys looking good. We care about these guys playing good.
3: Well, can we change the narrative of being the all bus team to the all-field team? Because that would, you know, just be a big step in the right direction. But yeah, you don't just want to look like football players. Obviously, that goes, you know, some of the distance. But you, you got to apply that strength that you get in the off-season. To the football field, and I think so far, and just what we've been able to see from, you know, social media and, and all the videos and you know different types of media that you've been able to see of what this team is doing in the weight room and you know competition-wise as well. I think that's a big thing because it's kind of underrated, especially in the weight room as well. Obviously, practice is a competition each and every single day, but when your mind is always in that you know competition mind state, whether that's weightlifting whether that's conditioning whether that's even in school right Mm -hmm. if you have that competition mindset as an athlete more times than not you're just going to develop that as second nature and that's going to kick in when you really need it on the football field and that's something that in the past handful of years that this team has lacked and especially when they need it most I mean you go back to 2021 the competition mindset obviously so close so many times how many times could that have pushed you over the edge and and put those losses into, into wins, at least some of them. So I really like that component of things, especially in the weight room too, because, I mean, obviously you're there to get stronger and get better at football, but when you're competing against the guy right next to you who's in the same position group as you, who's fighting for that same spot... I mean, you're competing all the time. I think that could pay huge dividends when it comes to August and September.
2: Yeah, And Coach Cable got into how the weight room, not only does it, it build better athletes, but it also builds some intangibles, and that's uh, one of the things they're trying to build here through winter
4: conditioning. Brotherhood is built through shared struggle, right? So, you know, that's one of our main priorities this spring is to build a brotherhood, right? So myself and my staff, we have to put these guys in situations where we 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 really see, you know, how they're going to handle adversity. Are they going to come together as a group, all right, or will there be, you know, any dissension, right? And at that point we have to assess and correct, right? Like we put them in certain situations in a control setting so that when they do get to spring ball, when they do get to fall camp, when when they do get to the season, it's not the first time they face that, right? Building the brotherhood through shared struggle during this time allows when it's time to strap the helmets on and you go out there as a group, right? You've, you've gone through that. You've experienced what you've had to experience so that it's not an issue at that point in time. So that that is huge, you know, and it gives you the winner to do that, right? Like the guys, they're in there to train and they see each other work. You know, they, they can also see whether or not, you know, someone isn't giving the effort that uh, they need to give in order to, to, to be the program that we want to be. So from an accountability factor, you know, it's huge uh, for right now, but also in these guys' understanding that, you know, hey, go through the experiences now so that when it's time to play ball, you know, we're past that point and we can we can be the team that we want to be in the fall.
2: So this Corey Cooper on what they're trying to build through winter conditioning, at least from an intangible point of view. Here's more from Cooper on what they want to build athletically through winter conditioning, trying to get these guys ready for
4: spring football. It's essentially preparing them for what's coming with spring ball, right? Like, and, and that's how you got to look at it. So, you know, for us, we, we have to make the strides and getting these guys as strong as we can get them, you know, adding the mass that we need to add, um, moving well, right? Movement quality is of the utmost importance. Um, and also, uh, conditioning their tissues to be able to handle, you know, what's 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 coming with spring ball, right? Like the the main priority for us is to keep these guys as healthy as we can, so that they can play the game of football, right? So we look at from a running standpoint, from a workload standpoint, like what is it that they're going to have to be prepared for, and then we reverse engineer that. So on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, right? You know, in our running volume, in our lifting volume, it's preparing them to undertake the demands of spring ball and then once we get to the spring ball phase you know we we reassess and evaluate what we need to do to help them be healthy uh and resilient through that period and then you know each subsequent period after that we do the same thing evaluate what we're preparing them for and then prepare them for that
3: well i hate to break it to you but you owe about three more quarters to the swear jar
4: did i keep on doing it yeah oh no (laughs) Should have
3: stopped me. You should have jumped in. Oh, I just wanted to let it happen.
2: See, that's like my my upbringing of of Husker football is especially those Bowplaying years, and all those players just stick out so distinctly in my memory that I, I told you right whenever we let it off that this is going to happen. I am going to call him Corey Cooper
3: when it's Corey Campbell. I mean, you owe about a, a dollar's worth of quarters right now, <laughs> and we're in segment one. I mean, we we've got. Seven more, so I, I'm I'm really curious. Yeah, <laughs> There got, it is. Got three quarters there in hand.
2: Is. We're setting them to the side. <laughs> Whoever is in here producing high school sports next can uh, use those to go buy themselves a Coke at some point. <laughs> um, but but what what did you hear there from Corey Campbell? Got at that time uh, is is that you know what we're preparing these guys for the rigors of spring football and to think back to notorious quote city from Scott Frost, those offensive linemen throwing up during fall camp at the time. There was like, is this guy trying to just like, you know, prove a point by exaggerating and saying, oh, we got guys throwing up every single practice and that's showing how hard they're working. Or is there an element of truth to that in that these offensive linemen weren't quite prepared for the rigors of fall camp? Regardless, it's just interesting to hear it coming out of the strength and conditioning coach's mouth that like, like, yeah, we're trying to build better football players here. But at the end of the day, it's about preparing them for spring football and preparing them to go hit that practice field and let Matt rule turn them into football players. about developing the base for the coaching staff to go work with. And if they're not ready for the rigors of spring football, then we haven't done our job.
3: Well, yeah, either way, it's, it's a fault of the coaching staff that they're not ready for, for spring football. I don't know if that was necessarily the case under the Frost administration, but yeah, you know, getting them ready for that next stage of the year. Because when you think about it, I mean, winter football is a part of the year. That's like one stage, if you will, or a chapter, if you will.
2: It's the first step towards building wins in right. the fall.
3: Right, and then you get into spring. That's a chapter that you get into summer, and that's really the final one of the off season. And then, boom, you're off and running in fall camp, and and you go straight into the season. So, you know, getting your guys prepared for spring ball, uh, it's a little, you know, kind of overlooked sometimes. But having the prepared being uh, being prepared all year round is, is something invaluable.
2: So uh, thoughts from Corey Campbell here on uh, our first segment uh, as he's talking strength and conditioning. We'll have more from him a little bit later this hour as well as some thoughts on Dylan Riolà, his recruitment, Georgia switching offensive coordinators as uh, Todd Monkens off to Baltimore. We'll have more thoughts on that. But next, we'll have Mitch Sherman, The Athletic, joining us here on Hale Varsity Radio.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial.
2: Rolling through a Tuesday edition of Hale Varsity Radio here. It's Elijah Herbal and Connor Clark filling in for Chris Schmidt, who's got the day off taking care of his lovely wife. And uh, I'm sure also enjoying his Valentine's Day as uh, he'll be back with us tomorrow on this show. But uh, for now, it's Connor and myself. And we're excited to welcome in Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. And Mitch... Valentine's Day, yay or nay? We had a comment in from Dion a little bit earlier saying he's been married for 40 years and that Valentine's Day is absolutely the worst, most stupid holiday ever (laughs) invented. I think Connor and I are both in agreement, uh, both of us being single here. So I want to get your take. Valentine's Day, yay or nay?
5: Well, I definitely don't have 40 years of marriage, but um, I have 20, which is half of that. So, yeah, you know, I think it reaches a point where if you have if you, ha- <laughs> if you have a good relationship, choose to the point where <laughs> you are in agreement on how this day works. And it can be big or it can be not much at all. And here, at least this year, it's not going to be a whole lot. We went out to dinner on Saturday, yeah, Saturday night, had a nice dinner, avoided the Valentine's uh, commercialization, and that, I guess, on whatever it was, February 11th or 10th, was our pre-Super Bowl Valentine's Day. Tonight, just a regular eat at home night.
2: And when you say that, is it going to be heart-shaped pizza order out? Is that your style?
5: No, no, I don't think so. I don't even know what it is yet. It's 4:30, and you know, we're just living by the by the hour as as is normal.
2: Mitch Sherman's with us here at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. And Mitch, that the topic. Of well, I guess I'll say the weekend and something Schmidt and I hit on a lot yesterday was the news that Nebraska has plans to reduce the size of the walk-on program here over the next couple seasons, and it's it's labeled as a way in order to get Nebraska back within Title IX compliance. But but my take is that there's probably other ways for Nebraska to become Title IX compliant if they so choose, uh, so chose to do so. But whenever you look at this, it's it almost feels like, at least to me. Trev Albert's taking a little bit of pressure off of Matt Ruhl, with Matt Rule saying, you know what, walk-on program's a little bit bloated. We probably don't need it with Title IX. And Trev saying, you know what, this is going to come from the athletic director, at least in the news re- release. And that's just how I'm reading in between the lines. So I want to get your take on that with, with Nebraska's plans to reduce the the size of the walk-on program here for the next couple seasons.
5: Yeah, you know, I think it's a, it's a collaboration between the two of them. And, and I talked to Trev last week and have a story coming out tomorrow, not about the walk-on program specifically, but about the – New facility and and the functionality of the new facility and, and how Nebraska Trev Alberts and Matt Rule, in particular, plan to use this building to help elevate the program and get Nebraska back where they believe it should be in college football and and you know some of that involves roster size and Nebraska could have accommodated a large roster but 150 players is not in. Matt Rule's vision of what a functional and and you know I, I think that word comes up functionality with the the facility functional with what he wants to do in his program 150 players is not within his um, his vision of what a functional program looks like when it's operating most efficiently you know, I, Matt Rule is not here to do away with walk ons by any stretch as as he's quick to to let you know. He was himself a walk-on at Penn State. His football career exists only because of the opportunities that are afforded to walk-ons. And he wants to give walk-ons at Nebraska the kind of opportunity that he had as a player at Penn State. So what I think you'll see is while there are fewer walk-ons on the roster, and you might eventually get down to a roster size that's more in line with what's, what's normal around the Big Ten and maybe 120 players, so that's still uh, 35 walk-ons on top of the 85 scholarship players. Th- those players are going to have opportunities and um, and things at their disposal that are in line with what the scholarship players get. And that, that, that I would not say that that is, has been the case um, in recent years at Nebraska or, or in, in in the history at Nebraska. Walk-ons have had to earn their keep and they've, been in a different locker room they've at times been been treated differently now they have the opportunity to get up to, to the starting lineup and, and be major contributors and get to the NFL and, and do things that scholarship players do but it's um you know I think the new Nebraska under Matt rule with walk-ons the opportunities are going to be there from the beginning for for these players um, as opposed to them coming in and being tackling dummies until they Um, beat the odds and and earn their keep it'll still be a challenge there will still be much required of them to make an impact on the program on the field on Saturdays but where they start where they begin their careers isn't going to look the same
2: Mitch you heard a great story at the end of last week about Matt Rule's love for Nebraska and and how his efforts out in the recruiting trailer are are growing him a a fan base in the state of Nebraska just because of you know how much he's working to I shouldn't say to get the fans of Nebraska to love him but just to to put himself out there as a person that can relate to the state of Nebraska. And I want to get your take. Does reducing the size of the walk-on program fly in the face of, of his love for Nebraska just because of how much Nebraskans love the walk-on program and how much they love even individual walk-ons, people that they're proud of, whether it be a, a nephew, someone within their hometown, uh, a former high school teammate? Do you think that that flies in the face of, of what Matt Rule's doing, trying to trying to, you know what, show his love to the state of Nebraska?
5: Well, if he was going to go and cut the entire walk-on program, then I'd say yes. But um, you know, that's not what we're looking at. As as I said, you're going to have 30 or 35, maybe 40, probably more this year. Walk-ons on the roster. Um, That's and and most of those players are going to be from Nebraska. So the opportunity for Nebraska players who go unrecruited and don't get the scholarship attention that that um, they would desire is still going to be there for the, the top line players walk-on at Nebraska, and, and you see that in this 2023 class. I think you'll see it in the next class in 2024. The majority of the walk-ons in the first group that, that Matt Rule signed are, are from Nebraska high school, so that opportunity is still there. And, and like I said, I, you know, I, I think when, when those guys get to campus and they get into the, that, that new building and, the, and they are a part of the Nebraska program, the experience for walk-ons, because there is a smaller number of them, is going to be a better one than than it was in in previous times at Nebraska uh, with Nebraska football. Look, look, you know, college football is is not the same um, as, as as it ever was. Things have changed, and you know, the reality of bringing in thirty five or forty kids who aren't on a scholarship, um, you know, it's just it, it isn't the same as as it was when Tom Osborne or Frank Solich coached, and you know, it didn't work. Um, with Scott Frost in, in, in that way. So I think that the adjustment that you see here in going to a smaller roster, and again, it's not a 90 man roster, it's probably going to be a 120 player roster, is one that's not only beneficial for the kind of program that Matt Rule wants to run, it's also most efficient when considering everything that exists in college football today with opportunities for players who might have once been walk-ons at Nebraska to go play in the FCS or or, or do, you know, or do other things with their careers.
3: Mitch Sherman is with us on Hale City Radio. Mitch, I agree because you know, you reduce the um, amount of walk-ons and it seems like that the experience for them is going to be more positive. And it also felt like especially under the Frost administration that the roster was just like overwhelmingly big with the amount of walk-ons that were on that roster so I mean to me I think it's a good thing I understand that the tradition is rich and I'm a little bit newer to it but I mean in the long haul and you said it best I mean college football is different now and it's it's a lot harder as a walk-on too to kind of get that starting shot with the transfer portal NIL and all that
5: I think a lot of people want wanted to romanticize things in recent years and feel like a 150 player roster under Scott Frost was the same thing as a 150-player roster under Tom Osborne, and it just wasn't, in part because of things that were outside of the coaching staff's control at Nebraska, like the changing face of college football, and in part because of the way that the program was run. If, if you're a walk-on and you don't practice and you stand there and watch practice five days a week, you never get out there and get the opportunity with the top players to compete, is that really the situation that you want for walk-ons, or do you want all your walk-ons to have an opportunity on some level? You know they're still going to have to earn their way, but I think I think the the second option is best, and that seems to be the direction that Nebraska's
6: trending.
2: Mitch, last thought here on the walk ons before we uh, we move on. Do you think Matt Rule's own personal history being a walk on at Penn State will uh, affect how the walk on program is run moving forward? I don't think there has there ever been another Husker coach who they themselves were a walk on to a football program. I, I can't think of one off the top of my head.
5: That's a great question. You know Frank Solich kind of had the uh, the. Um, the story of a walk-on as somebody who was, who was undersized and maybe was an underdog um, at times, you know, a little fullback. But um, I believe out of Pennsylvania, coming to play for Bob Devaney, he was a scholarship player. Um, and, and, you know, you go through the list, and you know, obviously Scott Frost was a super high-profile recruit, and those are the only guys who play in Nebraska, you know, in the, in the modern era. Of of college football, of course. Matt Rule was at Penn State. Um, no, I I don't know the situation necessarily. I mean, we, we you can we we can get down and talk about Mike Riley and Bill Callahan and all those guys and what their what their thoughts were on walk ons, what their history was as as players. Um, you know, they're all they're all different. They're all going to bring their own experiences. Um, yeah, Elijah, I, I, I do think that his experience, that Matt Rule's experience. As a walk-on at Penn State in the '90s, will help shape um, and ensure it will help shape the experience the experience that walk-ons have at Nebraska, and will I- ensure that they, they continue to be valued. Um, he's lived it firsthand. He's been a head coach for long enough now that I think we know he's not going to change one or two years into this thing and all of a sudden look at walk-ons in a, in a different kind of way. Uh, he values them. There are a number of players on his staff who were walk ons, either for him at Temple or at other places, like Corey Campbell, the, the, the strength coach, um, who was a walk on in Georgia. So um, he wants to help shape the, the lives of these players. And, and um, you know, that's not going to stop uh, as, as this thing continues in Lincoln.
2: Mitch, last thought here before we get you out, and we really appreciate your time here this afternoon. Uh, Georgia offensive coordinator Todd Monken on his way to Baltimore. And I think a lot of Husker fans reading in between the lines here with with Dylan Raiola, as well as Georgia offering another quarterback within the past week and a half or so. What is your reaction to that news?
5: Well, um, you know, he has an established, Dylan Raiola has an established relationship with georgia and its coaching staff and and you know in my conversations with dylan and i wrote about him a couple of weeks ago and spent some time with him and his family in arizona um, todd monk and the the oc at georgia you know he didn't come up uh... In, in our in our talks when when the subject went to georgia he talked more about others there in athens and and, and kirby smart the head coach so um, you know it doesn't help i, I would imagine um... To, to have a change in and not just the oc but uh, Munkin coached the the quarterbacks uh, for for Georgia, and you see, as you mentioned, you see this Georgia recruiting class for 2024 taking shape, and there's a quarterback commitment among that that group that Georgia has, and, and they've they've made another offer to an in-state player. Um, so you know, all of those things can be analyzed, and and you know, you can say, well, this this helps Nebraska, and and and. You know, because clearly Georgia is is one of the main competitors to, to, to get his commitment here in the next few months with Nebraska and, and USC. Um, but it's, you know, I don't know entire I haven't asked, I haven't talked to him about this specific situation or anybody in his family. So I, I, we'll, we'll just have to see how it plays out. And you know, I think Georgia, you know, they immediately elevated Mike Bobo, um, who was on staff when, when, as an analyst, when Georgia began its recruitment of Dylan Rayola, so... You know, it's not going to be an entirely new face for him when they when they go back to Georgia next month. Um, you know, it, it, we'll, we'll just have to see how it plays out. Nebraska's going to get its shot at the end of March to have him on campus, and it may be that Nebraska's shot there in March is the last one, the last look that he takes at a campus before he commits. It's possible that he'll want to make his decision around April 1st, and if that's the case, um, you, know, you like the position that Nebraska's in as the last one to be able to take a crack at him. Mitch
2: Sherman's with us here. Find him on Twitter at Mitch Sherman. And Mitch, appreciate your time here on a Tuesday. Enjoy your Valentine's day Eve. All right.
5: All right. Thanks. Same to you guys.
6: Like what you hear, high quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity radio show podcast, $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code gbr for ten dollars off a full year of HailVarsity. that's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe promo code gbr
1: Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show chris at Hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: Rolling through a Tuesday edition. It's Hail Varsity Radio presented by Currency. Elijah Herbel, Connor Clark taking you through the show today. schmidty has got the day off. He will be back for the Wednesday edition coming away way tomorrow from 4 to 6. If you're on the phone lines, hang with us. I'll get to your phone call here in just one second. But uh, we finished off with Mitch Sherman there. A little bit over on time. So i got to start off this segment by apologizing to our affiliates and listening across the state. Uh, we shortchanged you probably about the last 30 seconds of Mitch Sherman's answer. So we do apologize for that. I didn't want to cut him off. Uh, you can catch the rest of his uh, answer regarding Dylan Ryle in podcast form if you missed it. Or you can hang around with us here. We're going to get into that here just right now and and Connor did you see this news this morning of of Georgia's offensive coordinator that's Todd Monken on his way to go be the Baltimore Ravens offensive coordinator and, and what was your initial reaction
3: yeah it's interesting because I, we all saw the that Georgia they went ahead and offered a different 2024 QB and everybody was kind of making a big deal about that I don't know how much weight that holds I feel like this move holds maybe a little bit more when it comes to the recruitment, at least, of Dylan Riola, just because I get it. Kirby Smart's probably going to bring up somebody that's already within the program and knows the system and everything. But it's still a change, especially in an important position on the coaching staff that Dylan Riola will have to you know, lean on in college as well. So the fact that Nebraska now has a little bit more of a – I guess, consistency advantage over Georgia when it comes to the recruitment of Dylan Raiola is important. I don't know how much it changes, but I think it holds a little bit more weight than Georgia offering another 2024 QB.
2: And, and Dylan Raiola does have a relationship with new Georgia offense creator Mike Bobo. We'll get to that here in just a second. But first, getting to the phone lines, mo has been hanging along patiently with us. Mo, welcome in to Radio. Go
7: ahead. How you doing? Not too Peace bad up. yourself. I was listening to you talk about the uh, walk-ons and stuff, Mm -hmm. and I've been at this for 73 years, so I've seen it all. But I don't really care if there's five walk-ons or 50, but what really irks me and what I'd like to hear from you guys is, are they going to stop giving away all the good players to places like Iowa and then they come back and torture us with tight ends and linebackers and stuff that came right out of Nebraska. So I'd like to hear what you got to say
2: on that. Mo, thanks Thank for the you. phone call today. And and we, we kind of hit on this in the show a little bit yesterday. We'll get back to Dylan Riley here in just a second, but I want to give Mo his due. It, it comes down to that evaluation topic, it, and it's it's with the walk-on program. The, the way moving forward is going to be quality over quantity. Do you trust your evaluation enough in order to make sure – That you know, A, who a scholarship guy is, who a scholarship guy isn't, and B, you make sure you get those guys to Nebraska. And we've already seen the legwork with this coaching staff going and really hitting all corners of Nebraska, making sure you're establishing relationships with high school coaches. So you know you're going to have a leg up on any potential in-state kid that's going to crop up here over the next couple years. You have a a leg up on the, the likes of Iowa, South Dakota State, South Dakota northwest missouri state colorado i mean name a program in the midwest the the previous relationship is where this coaching staff wants to have a leg up and then moving forward it comes down to talent evaluation do you know who a scholarship guy is and who a scholarship guy isn't that that's the simple fact of the matter if they're going to be extending a preferred walk on offer to a kid it's essentially telling the kid we don't think you're a scholarship uh, player here at nebraska now we could have our our opinions changed you could come here and perform and earn your way into a scholarship and you know we'll admit that we were wrong but through our talent evaluation, which we trust, we're saying if you do end up going off to one of those schools, we don't think that it's going to come back and bite us. So I think that's what this this staff is going to say moving forward. Either you deserve a spot in this Husker football team, in which case you deserve a scholarship, or we're we're okay with letting you go somewhere else. And you know what? If you want to be a Husker, we'll give you that preferred walk on opportunity. You can come try to make it work. But if you are an in-state kid and we think you're worthy of being on the team, I think they're saying, you know what, you get a scholarship offer. We're not going to be throwing up preferred walk-on offers to kids we think
3: are going to be on the line. Either you you are or you aren't, and it comes down to talent evaluation. Well, I think Mitch said it in the last segment, probably the best. And when you have guys sitting there five days a week in practice watching, Mm -hmm. not even dressing, just watching, then you have a problem because – at a certain point, what is the point of just getting walk-ons to keep players away from other universities? Because it, down the road, how much is that going to help you as well? Because, okay, if you lose out on a scholarship guy to, say, in Iowa or in Oklahoma or whatever, that's just kind of how the card falls sometimes when you know, you're know you doing recruiting. And, I mean, that happened in the 90s as well. You, you would right. lose guys. It would happen. It Yeah, it happens to every school, not just Nebraska, too. And just to get walk-ons just to have players so other schools can't get them, is probably not the reason, but it sure looks like it at some points. And, again, when you have guys literally sitting there and watching practice five days a week, that's not helping them. That's not helping your team because they're not getting the reps either. And they, these guys, you know, they could be out there being on the scout team or something. You have too many guys, and you know, it just becomes congested. I believe you said it earlier you know different locker rooms and just not a great experience as a collegiate athlete maybe even being treated differently then there's a problem and so shrinking the amount of walk-ons I don't have an issue with whatsoever again I know it's a tradition thing and I and I understand that in other areas as well but it's just an area of the team that isn't making that much of a difference right now in my eyes
2: well it's it's about finding the one guy out of the 30 that you bring in who's going to be the the luke reimer who is going right. to be the the Brandon Riley? Who's going to be that that walk-on that steps up and proves everybody wrong? And, and I think it's just about riding that fine line. You don't want to be the school that has a congested walk-on program. They're just giving a preferred walk-on offer to anybody and everybody because you're going to have issues that way. But you also want to swing to the other end of the pendulum, which is, I think, what it felt like during the Mike Riley years, during the Bo Pelini years, which was ah, uh, you're an in-state kid, we don't need to give you a scholarship offer. We can just give you a preferred walk-on offer, and you'll come here because you want to play for Nebraska. Right. That's not the right way to go about mm-hmm. it either. You have to write that fine line of, mm-hmm. of, with talent evaluation saying, you know what, we think this is a guy that can play at Nebraska, therefore we give you a scholarship. If you think a guy can play at Nebraska, but what I've seen from this new staff is you get that scholarship offer. And I don't care if nobody else in the country is offering you. If we think you can play at Nebraska, you're going to get that offer. And I think of a guy uh, coming out of Omaha like Jalen Lloyd. Uh, a guy that this staff thinks can play football at Nebraska and the rest of the country might not think that, but I think that's a guy that under previous staffs would have gotten that preferred walk-on offer. Yeah, you're a great track kid. We don't know what you got on the football field, so we're going to give you a preferred walk-on offer. This this staff is going away from that. And they're saying, if we think you can play at Nebraska, you get the scholarship offer, and we're not going to jack around with, oh, here's a preferred walk-on offer. You're a great Husker fan. Come play for Nebraska. It's a preferred the walk-on high, too. and give us more leeway. It, it, it's about riding that fine line, and it remains to be seen what Matt Rule's plan is for walk-ons, but I think his experience as a walk-on is going to lead him in the right direction.
8: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at Bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA member FDSE.
1: And now. And now back to Hale Varsity Radio.
2: Winding down hour one here at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. Is a good, good show. We're about halfway through here. We heard from Mitch Sherman about 20 minutes ago, and I will be hearing from Andy Markowski here leading off hour two. But before we get there, got to finish off a topic of conversation that Connor and I briefly got into here last segment. That's Dylan Riola. As uh, a lot of Husker fans out there trying to read some tea leaves today as Georgia's offensive coordinator, Todd Monken, taking the offensive coordinator job with the Baltimore Ravens, going and working with believe it or not, a younger quarterback than the one he had at Georgia. How crazy is that? Lamar Jackson's a couple months younger than Stetson Bennett, which just boggles my mind to think about that. uh, He's going off to Baltimore, and the joke out there today was, well, he just wants a younger quarterback to work with someone he can mold a little bit better. Uh, Regardless, Todd Monken did great things to that Georgia offense over the past couple years. There's been uh, a lot of Georgia fans bemoaning this, but they bring in Mike Bobo. And why this factors in to the Dylan Raiola recruitment is that Mike Bobo is the same guy who developed Matt Stafford at Georgia. And you think about why is that important? Well, you go off to good. well, you go off to Matt Stafford's professional career where he played for the Detroit Lions. Who is his center in Detroit? None other but Dominic Raiola. Mm. Who's a good friend. And it sounds like all all accounts would point to the fact that Matthew Stafford has a very high opinion of Mike Bobo and uh, that uh, Matt Stafford and Dominic Ryla remain uh, at least acquaintances to this day, and, and there's the the influence of Matt Stafford there, who is a, a big fan of Mike Bubble. Also, uh, we have from Blaine Gilmer of Sports.com. He sat down with Dylan Ryla last month, and it sounds like this is not a surprise to Dylan Ryla, this move. It, it sounds like he already knew that should Monk and leave, head off to the NFL, that that Mike Bubble was going to be the offensive coordinator. It's not s- something that... That Dylan was fearing. I mean, Mike Bobo was helping out in this recruitment all the way through. Anyway, Monken was listed as the head recruiter, but uh, the secondary recruiter not only was it Kirby Smart, it was also Mike Bobo. So it's somebody that Dylan Ryla already has a, a relationship with.
4: You know, Coach Monken and Coach Smart—they've been transparent with with all these interviews going on, and you know, I'm happy for Coach Monken that he's that been he's able to go interview with NFLs, and you know, he's deserved, he's earned that, and he deserves it. Uh, he won two back-to-back Natties and. You know, I wouldn't say change things, um, but it would definitely, definitely be something to look at. Um, I know Coach Smart has the next next guy. If Coach Monkey were to move on, he has the next guy in the system already, um, you know, ready to to step in and fill those shoes right away.
2: And the thing I hear there is it doesn't necessarily change things. It could. I mean, he's got to come down and and, and uh, rebuild a relationship with Bobo, knowing that Bobo would be your offensive coordinator. But if I am reading the tea leaves here. I don't think this improves Nebraska's stock. I don't think it decreases Nebraska's chances at Royal I think this is very much a we're holding steady. And it really puts, I don't want to say George in the same place as Nebraska because the program they have there uh, is, is head and shoulders above what Nebraska has at the moment. But it, it comes down to building relationships with the new staff. And similar to Nebraska, there's a, a relationship with this Nebraska staff, obviously that relationship is still growing because you've only had a couple months. It's a similar situation with Mike Bobo. You are aware of Mike Bobo. You've had conversations with Mike Bobo. Now it's, it's time to to treat this recruitment as if he is going to be your offense, according to the guy developing you moving forward. So what does it mean for Nebraska? As of right now, as, as I read the tea leaves, it, it, this is not a, uh, uh, well, Nebraska now jumps up to the top spot in the words of Lee Corso. Not so fast, my friend, <laughs> not so fast. Uh, does it change things? Potentially. But as of right now, uh, I think it's a, a footnote to the recruitment of Dylan Riola rather than the main story. So uh, that's what I have on Dylan Riola. We're going to switch gears, talk some Husker basketball leading off hour two as former Husker standout, current assistant with the Pious Girls Basketball program. Andy Markowski joins to talk Nebraska-Wisconsin and what looms tonight as Nebraska heads out to Piscataway.
6: Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years, FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone, you're not customer-facing, it's casual dress, and the work environment. It's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at fscedge.com.
1: Back in, it's Hour 2. It's Hail
2: Varsity Radio, presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency, Elijah Herbal and Connor Clark taking you through the show today. Schmidties has got the day off as we uh, spent most of Hour 1 talking Husker football. Corey Campbell, Dylan Riley, we switch gears. Now talk some Husker basketball to welcome in former Husker Andy Markowski. And Andy doesn't quite feel like what it should feel like as we get ready for for district basketball and uh, NCAA tournament, which is this warm weather we've had about the past
7: week or so. How are you doing today? Uh, not too bad, but any time uh, we have warm weather in February, I'll take it. Andy, before we look
2: ahead to what Nebraska ball faces tonight with Rutgers, let's go back quickly to Saturday. Nebraska overcoming their largest deficit since 2013. That was whenever they came back against Iowa. They uh, they eliminate that deficit, take down Wisconsin on Saturday. I want to get some of your takeaways from that game. Kise, uh, he started the game slow but really came into his own in the second half and then a huge performance from Blaze in the second half as well, especially on the defensive side of the ball. The Huskers steal one from Wisconsin and maybe knocked them off that bubble.
7: Yeah, certainly. Uh, yeah, I don't know what we're playing for, um, you know, whether it be a, in, in IT or just to uh, eliminate teams from being on the bubble, right? We had a big one against uh, Penn State, and now probably uh, took Wisconsin off the bubble. But, yeah, just uh, credit to a tough, gritty second half. I, I You know, K-State is really helping them offensively. You know, once they lost their – they're better defensive wings. You know, I didn't know if they'd be able to score enough to beat the, the, the top half of the league, but uh, you know, Tominaga has, has found ways to score. And then, you know, as you mentioned, I thought the uh, Billy but the Keaton and Walker together against Wisconsin's front line really really changed what they were doing offensively. And you know, just a credit to to Fred's group that they, they they stayed the course and, and got a good home win.
3: Andy Markowski is with us on Hale Varsity Radio tonight. Andy, Nebraska goes to Rutgers, a place where. Rutgers has been very, very good at home ever since 2019, 20, 27 and eight at the rack ever since that season. What do you see from Nebraska here? How do you like their chances tonight?
7: Yeah, you know certainly uh, Rutgers is, it's just so physical and you know losing uh, some of our physicality to injury and having to play a freshman. you know that, that's a little unnerving. Um, you know they' top of the league in defense. Uh, you know we've done a pretty good job of rebounding, but, but Rutgers physicality. You know, has them in the, the, the top three or four in the league. And, and rebounding, they're pretty balanced offensively. You know, we're, we've shown the ability to, to hang in on the road, even the Michigan game. I think we got up to a really, you know, slow start, but, but settled in. And, you know, I think cut that game back to, to seven or eight. But it, it's going to take a, a good offensive effort. Having Keita back in this game will, will, will help as well. I think his physicality, his size, uh, ability to protect the, the rim. Uh, and rebound, um, you know, could be a, a good time to, to get him back and be healthy. But, you know, Rutgers is, I think, uh, you know, five, six, seven seed in the tournament. So anytime you're going on the road to play a team of that caliber, it's going to be a, a challenge.
2: Andy, do you see this Husker basketball team playing more free in recent weeks, though? It just feels like these freshmen have stepped into to new, bigger roles and they've been finding their footing. But it feels like every single game we watch, and I'm sure I'm going to say this now, and uh, then we're going to have a performance tonight that's going to make me eat my words, but it feels like this team is just playing more freely than they have in the past. And it almost feels like they're not worried about what the end result is. They're more worried about the process during the game. That's something we've heard from the Husker football coaches too. but it feels like they're, they're worried about the process during the game and just taking it possession by possession, and it leads to a, a more free-feeling performance.
7: Yeah, I, I certainly think some of that's chemistry, uh, some of that's confidence. Uh, yeah, I think they're uh, so limited with their rotation, and you know sometimes you like to be 9, 10, 11 deep, but I think, you know, players might play a little tight, thinking they have to play well to to, to stay in rotation or, or or keep their minutes up. And you know, there's just not a lot of places for Fred to turn. And I, and I think that gives players confidence, and it certainly has helped. You know, I, I think he's playing with a with a freedom and confidence, which is allowing other players to to get shots and find success. As you as you see, teams are really starting to you know, try to double and step out on, uh, on some of the screening actions, which would allow for us to rebound or slip and get easy baskets at the rim. So, you know, having a player that that's uh, forcing teams to scout and game plan against I think is helping, you know, other players on the court find baskets. But, yeah, I, I, I like watching this team. Uh, you know, they're not overly talented. I, I think Walker and, and, and Grease will give you, give you a chance uh, every, every night with leadership and, you know, the ability to, to, to create some offense. And now that State is scoring, that gives us three – Three good options, and you know I think it's allowing the freshmen to kind of get their feet and, and play with a little freedom and confidence as they're not having to, to score for us to be successful. That's coming from the other three players. Andy,
2: quickly, let's talk about that, that Tomanaga impact as his scoring has been just phenomenal over the past three games, and the outside shooting has really opened up the backdoor cutting, and Walker's done a great job from the high post finding uh, Tominaga cutting the back door and getting him some easy looks near the rim. And I just want to get your take on, on what's changed offensively for Nebraska over the past couple games to free up Tominaga. Has it just been a case of Tominaga getting hot at the right time, or has, has Fred been, in your eyes, changing some of the offensive sets, trying to get him some better looks?
7: Well, they are running more through Kese. Uh, um, you know, I, I think early on they were posted and, and really giving Walker kind of that middle third of the floor to, to play out of it. And he was kind of getting his assist off of uh, backing, you know, maybe down in the post where, where teams were having a double. Uh, now they're running K. case off of a lot of misdirection, a lot of staggered doubles. You know, it's it's forcing, uh, you know, teams to, to kind of hedge and jump out, which is, has really lifted the defense, which, you know, has a lot of other players to get some stuff at the rim. So, you know, I, I think Fred has balanced the matchups, but, but now having – you know, three good offensive weapons has has you know given him some different uh, you know different strategies. Not just having to have Grisel back down to get you know against Creighton, you know that was kind of their go-to action, right? So he's he's been able to, to kind of uh, mix in all three players and, and find different ways for them to score. Um, but you know, when you have a player that can shoot it from 25, 26, 27 feet and and play confidently, uh, that has really opened the floor. And you know, I think Nebraska has benefited at the other spots from that.
3: Andy, I want to flip it over to another guy on Rutgers, and I personally think he's one of the more underrated players in the conference, and that's Cliff Amori because he's averaging near a double-double, 9.8 rebounds per game, and 13.5 points. He's 6'11", he's a freak athletically. How does he match up well against Derek Walker, and if you're Fred Hoiberg, what kind of defense do you run to stop a guy like him?
7: Well, I, I think that is the challenge with Walker um, playing against elite, you know, He, You know, Walker was, oh, you know, 6'8, maybe, maybe 6'9, and he's gotten himself in foul trouble playing against the better centers in the league, especially versatile centers. So, you know, I, I look for that. I, we're going to have to, you know, find a way to, to defend him. And if, you know, we, if we have to play Keita. You know, and Walker—that takes away Walker, kind of in the middle of the floor, right? He's just got to be kind of on the low post, and, and that might change some things that Fred has to do offensively. Now, the other thing—you know, Walker's done a really good job of being able to score against six, eleven, seven-foot centers. I mean, even you know Zach Etnyre and, and um, uh, even Culperner from Creighton—you know, you think seven, seven-one, seven-two would would really bother him at the rim, but he has found ways to. Kind of the, the You know, the old-school game where you use your body and you know kind of shoot a hook shot over the top and find ways to, to make, uh, you know, big shots in the lane. So you know, I'll be anxious to see if Walker can, can score, but I'm, I'm more concerned what we do defensively and if we have to play big, I, I think that limits some of Fred's creativity and what he can do offensively.
2: Andy Markowski's with us here, former Husker standout, and now you catch him on the sidelines for the Pious Girls basketball team. And Andy, you talk about Derek Walker's game. It almost feels like that old man at the YMCA. I've gotten cooked a couple of times by that, that 40-year-old man at the YMCA. Can barely jump over a stack of books, yet he's still cooking me on the post. Just Has Fred found a post presence that you think, uh, at least a, a style that can work moving forward in the Big Ten? Or has he just caught lightning in a bottle with what Derek Walker can do with the ball?
7: Well, I, I think what makes Fred a, a good offensive coach is, is he is creative creative on what his players can do, right? I mean, Walker's skill set is, is unique to Walker. You know, Keita, you know, if you lose Walker, now you're going to play Keita or Wilhelm at your 4-5. and five. I mean, they're going to have to run some some different things or, or, or go into the portal and, and try to find a 6'8", six, 6'9", six, kid that can do some of the things that, that, that Walker did. So I, I don't see us running offense through our 5 uh, man next next season, but, but certainly give Brett credit that you know he's been able to, to, to kind of find some actions and some unique uh, uh, offensive sets that has that maximizes his player skill sets and you know I think each year that, that you look at your roster you you've gotta kinda of cater and, and, and make some adjustments to that. So, you know, I, I think Walker is kind of a unicorn. You don't see a lot of offenses uh, playing through their five man uh, not only scoring but you look really look at the meta of assists that that Walker has. I think that he would be in the top five in the country for for post players in, in assist. and assist, And that's just a credit to his unique skill set and, and, and Fred putting him in, in good positions to help the offense.
2: And it kind of weird that, I guess, we're talking about the, the future of this Nebraska Pascal program here with five games left. But Fred's shown some people a lot over the past couple of weeks. Now, I want to get your take. Is it too early to talk about the future? Is, the, is this still in question? Or do you think Fred's back for another year?
7: Well, I, I, I think Fred was challenged by... You know, uh, the administration to, to maybe make some changes to, to look at his program, uh, what, what he wanted it to be. And, you know, they hired some uh, new assistants. I, I think Nate Winter has come in and, and kind of uh, ran uh, for his defense. And I think we can all agree they're, they're much improved defensively. You know, I think the, the grit and the toughness that this group has played with this year, uh, you know, Nebraska fans have, have responded well to. Um, you know, I, I think their challenge is, is going out and replacing a couple, you know, fifth-year seniors, uh, which, you know, they obviously hit on those kids. But the portal will give you the opportunity to go and, and find some pieces that fit. Um, I, I, I do think Fred is back. I, I, I've i seen enough progress where, you know, the freshmen I, I think are, are solid, not, you know, not great. I think you have to add some more talent into the program, but with Nebraska's you know, nil. I think we're a little ahead of of, of the landscape there in football and basketball. So I, you know, I'm optimistic that they can plug some some transfers in and and hopefully keep that same chemistry that the group had this year.
3: Andy, after tonight, the next three Nebraska ball games are back at PBA, and that's a place where this team's been pretty good this year. They're nine and three. How important is it for Nebraska? even if they don't get a win here tonight at least put together you know a competitive showing that gives you um, a little bit of positivity heading into that three game homestand
7: yeah I, I think every game uh, is important right i mean you know this team has had good leadership i think they've been competitive now they've you know lost by 12 15 18 20 but, but those games i feel their stretches were or phys- physically they've been competitive they haven't been you know outmatched in prior years but having that three game home streak uh, homestand you know, Minnesota is one of those teams in there. I, I, I don't think, um, um, you know, Maryland, we, we were competitive for long stretches on the road. And, you know, Michigan State, you know, is, is, is good. But, but certainly is not in the top three or four of the league right now. So, you know, I, I look for them to, to continually play good basketball, have a chance to win a couple of those home games. And, you know, the, the crazy thing is they are only three games out of, out of fourth place in the league. Uh, you know, you look at that Purdue overtime loss, you get that win. You know, you're kind of right in the middle of the pack, which you know I think the Big Ten has shown to be a good league this year. Maybe, maybe not super top heavy, but but very deep. And you know, if they can find two or three more wins here, uh, they move off of that. You know, really the playing games on Wednesday and and you know play that first game Thursday in the Big Ten tournament. And you know, they, they uh, um, you know carry that momentum into you know I don't know if the NIT is in play or not, but but maybe you know postseason and, and give yourself a chance to, to add a couple pieces going into next year. So. Um, I, I've been happy. I, I think the program's shown progress. Um, you know, I, I would be disappointed if the bottom falls out here with, uh, with five games to play. I, I think this team, you know, likes competing, likes playing. I think Fred has their attention. Uh, I think they're locked in the game strategy and scouting, um, which tells me they'll have a chance to, to win a couple games down the stretch here.
2: Andy, let's quickly flip it over to the women here before we get you out as they took Michigan down to the wire on Sunday. That was following a disappointing home loss to Illinois. And they got four games left, Minnesota tomorrow night. You got Iowa looming on Saturday trying to get a rematch after dropping a game by four a little earlier in the season. This Husker women's team, what's still on the line with four games remaining in the season?
7: Well, they're, they're still right on the NCAA tournament bubble. I, I think the bright technology came out today. It still had them in the last four in. Um, you know, they're, they're getting a lot of credit for, for a really challenging schedule. Um, I mean, the Big Ten has got five teams in the, in the top 16 uh, when the NCAA announced the, the first 16 seeds. Um, but, yeah, their margin is, is very small. They're going to have to win at Minnesota, Northwestern at home. Um, they're going to have to probably either beat Iowa or at Illinois and then probably go into the tournament. and It looks like they're going to be the eighth seed, playing a a really good Michigan State nine seed. Um, So, you know, they they have to win. uh, You know, losing the the home Illinois game, it really hurt them having a 10-point lead in the third quarter. And then obviously Michigan, they were up six late, um, you know, which is the 12th team in the country. So this team can play with anybody. They have not been able to to put four quarters together to, to beat some of the top Teams in the country, but um, you know Iowa at home. I think they're expecting a close to a sellout, so it should be a great, great atmosphere on Saturday. So if you're not planning on doing anything Saturday, come and support. If they could you know win the win that game Saturday against Iowa, that might punch your ticket in. As you know, I think Iowa is projected to be a one seed in the NCAA tournament.
2: Andy, last thought here before we get you out. The Pious Girls, two games left tonight, Lincoln Northeast, and then Thursday Lincoln High. What's at stake these final two games for the Pious Girls, and uh, what's district looking like?
7: Yeah, well, Class A is just loaded. Uh, so we do have a tough, tough slate to finish here. Lincoln Northeast is, is really good. Lincoln High is, I think, 19-1 and 1. Um, for uh, for us. It's a huge week. If we win two, I think we have a chance to host a, a district game. And, and Class A, our district two games, uh, so you'd be a top-seven seed, which is so important to, to play at home in the postseason. So um, a, lot, a lot still. But still on the line, and, uh, you know, we've, we've uh, had a tough uh, last ten games, but hopefully uh, we can finish strong here and, and host districts with a chance to, to, to go to state against a, a pretty balanced Class A deal. I, I think any any team that makes it to Lincoln this year in Class A has a chance to, to compete and, and have a chance to win a state title. So we're, uh, we're optimistic, but it, it starts tonight out in Lincoln Northeast.
2: Andy Markowski with us here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Andy, thanks for joining us today. Good luck to you. Good luck to the Pious Girls night. and we'll talk to you next week, all right? All
7: right, guys. Thanks for having me.
6: dollars off a full year of hail varsity that's hail backslash subscribe promo code gbr and now
1: and now back to hail varsity radio rolling through a tuesday edition here it's hail
2: varsity radio presented by currency for all your equipment financing needs go currency elijah herbal and connor clark filling in for Schmidty today but uh, Schmidty will be back tomorrow he'll be actually back tonight for our local listeners uh, you can catch him on the call over on KF4 tonight as the Lincoln Southwest Boys in action 7:30 opening tip tonight so uh, Schmidty he's on what's the best way to call it he's on uh, chauffeur duty as he's uh, he's on husband duty husband duty chauffeur duty same way to put it it's the yeah. same thing he's uh taking his wife to a routine Doctor's appointment, and uh, he will be back tomorrow. Uh, but it's uh, Connor and myself taking you through today. If you want to get connected with uh, Connor or myself, you can give us a call into the studio here 402 466 3776. That's 402 466 3776 or 800 825 5865. Give us a tweet at Herbal Essences for me. That is uh, no underscores, no weirdness, no nothing. Just at Herbal Essences. Yes, like the hair care company, but the Difference is it's herbal with an E, not herbal with an A. I guess herbal with an A. It's herbal. You pronounce the H and you put the E in there. Herbal, herbal Essences. And then for uh Connor Clark, you can find him at C underscore Clark underscore twenty-seven for Connor. Insert underscore joke here. I'm not creative enough to think of a good one, Connor. So we'll there just There were move twenty-six
3: on. of them before me, so I had to <laughs> settle with twenty-seven.
2: Uh Talking uh, Nebraska basketball, we just finished up with Andy Markowski. If you missed that interview, you can catch it in podcast form following the show. You can also catch a Mitch from back in hour one as uh, Mitch dove into the walk-on program with us uh, back in hour one. You can catch both of those interviews in podcast form shortly following the show. Uh, but we're going to dive in with some thoughts from Fred Hoiberg, his Monday afternoon press conference talking Rutgers, uh, Nebraska, what's, uh, what's on deck tonight out at the rack in Piscataway? And I'm glad we have Connor here because Connor is a college basketball nut. He's one of those guys that, you know, says we sleep in April. Is that you? We sleep in May? We sleep in May. I guess it's called March Madness, and it ends, what, mid-April?
3: Not even. It ends, like, April 3rd. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so you, you'll sleep in at mid-April, we'll
3: say. I'll uh, sleep on April 5th. How about that? Just to be safe. Give myself a day of insurance. So we'll get
2: Connor's take on Rutgers here in just a second, but first, here's Fred Hoiberg saying uh, he feels the team is ready for the challenge that awaits them in Piscataway tonight.
8: Yeah, they're, they're, really, they're really good. And the, the thing that is most impressive about Rutgers defense is their activity and their ability to get deflections. And it's going to be very important. We can't just drive into a pile and expect to be able to complete passes. We have to come in under control, uh, one less dribble, and make a simple play. Uh, they've got great length across the board, and they make it very difficult on you to score. So it's going to be an important game to take care of it, have to take care of it early. We can't let them get out in transition and get easy baskets. With careless turnovers, and we really have to value the ball. Our, our first half against Wisconsin—that that, was—it can't happen like that. If we drive in there and expect to be able to make plays and traffic, um, it's—it's going to be an ugly game, and it's going to get ugly early. So, just have to take great care of the ball, and uh, and hopefully get good shots up on the board every possession.
2: So, that's Fred Hoiberg's preview. Of what Nebraska faces with Rutgers tonight. We're going to get Connor Clark's preview of what Nebraska faces with Rutgers tonight. Connor, as I said, college basketball nut. You can check out Connor's podcast, Clark's Court, oh. talking all things college basketball. Free plug for my boy Connor here.
3: Um, but Connor, That's my Valentine's Day gift, I
2: guess. <laughs> uh, sure. I mean- sure, we'll go with that. It's festive. We'll go with that. Connor, what, what do you see with this Rutgers basketball team tonight and, and what Nebraska faces? We, we've talked a lot about Nebraska's home success, but Rutgers, to their credit, I mean, over the past couple of seasons, they've been pretty phenomenal at the Rack as well.
3: Yeah, they've been really good at the Rack. And unfortunately, it's actually no longer called the Rack. It's Jersey Mike's Arena, but it'll always be called the Rack. But you heard Fred say it in his presser that they deflect the ball like none other they allow 59 points a game which is at the top of the Big Ten Conference and th- this is a big game for Rutgers as well because they're they're 16-9 and they're coming off of not the most inspiring performance at Illinois they had a 10-minute scoring drought out in Champaign over the weekend and, and that was a big time loss and now they're deadlocked in a let's see five-way tie at eight and six in the Big Ten Conference so a win here catapults them all the way up to Indiana Northwestern territory. We nine wins in the conference, so you know they're playing for a lot. It's not like, oh, here comes Nebraska. It's just kind of a, a rollover game. There was meaning to this for them. As for Nebraska, Hoiberg said it, you have to take care of the ball tonight. That's something that they did not do against Wisconsin in that first half, especially. They didn't value the ball. They didn't make very smart decisions. The offense looked very stagnant at times, and I was in the building for that game, and it was just kind of, I don't don't want to say careless, but at times sloppy and just uninspiring basketball because, yes, Wisconsin was playing good defense, but Nebraska, you know, they didn't really create good shots for themselves either, and you saw that. Now, obviously, Tominaga got hot in the second half, and that's kind of been the answer for this team in the past week or so, past couple of weeks, really. Um, So how do you find that outlet of scoring outside of K-State? Because he can only do so much, right? So you need to have a Derek Walker, a Sam Greasel, have big games, maybe even a Jamarcus Lawrence every now and then step up and have a couple of bucks. He did that on Saturday. He was a big part of that. And then Blaise Cata's minutes, obviously, were of really, really quality because not only did he get a ton of rebounds offensively, his defense altered a lot of shots, especially inside and down the stretch. And. Wisconsin just had a lot of trouble inside the paint going with that big, big lineup that Fred Hoiberg did. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that again here tonight.
2: Yeah, and, and Blaze was the guy that had his best career game as a Husker on Saturday. It might not show up in the stat sheet with only two points. But He did have 11 rebounds. So he was cleaning up the glass, and defensively, he was great. Fred Hoiberg hit on what Blaze brings to this, this team as a whole, and we can expect to see a little more of him moving forward.
8: Well, it allowed us to play really one-on-one in the post. And, you know, Derek, we we really have to do a good job of trying to protect him early in games. And it, we missed a couple of very basic rotations early in that game. And, you know, this is something going back to June that we put in with this defense is ro- rotating uh, out of the double team. And we just did not do a very good job in, in the first half. In the second half, what Blaze gives us is the opportunity to play uh, one-on-one, with uh, with the post up and that kept us closer to their shooters and it did a much better job. And I think, you know, the last 20 minutes of the game, we held them to 17 points and, you know, Blaze just did everything for us. He took a big charge late in the game. Uh, he had great hand activity on the post with his pressure and uh, he really rebounded the ball at, at a high rate. So, you know, it was great to see him out there. He and Derek, obviously that was a game we could go big, big with Wall at the four and with Crowell at the 5 we're not going to be able to do that every game but you know we certainly will have lineups out there where we're going to play big big and you know just throw maybe different defenses uh, out there against it but you know I was really pleased with the way that lineup looked we really went with six guys in the second half and uh you know it was it, it, it was just it was a really fun afternoon I think for a lot of people in that building and you know just really proud of the effort our guys gave and most specifically with Blaze So Connor
3: do you think big big is in the cards tonight I think so. I mean, might as well because Cato was obviously prepared for that moment and mm-hmm. he played very quality basketball in and that he, moment. He looked
2: healthy too. It, yeah. it, it looked just like it, it was the difference between Coke and Diet Coke. Right. I think what we've been seeing over the past month or two from Blaze has been Diet Blaze. And, <sighs> and we, we got closer to the real – maybe it was uh, Blaze Zero is what we got. <laughs> Blaze Saturday. Zero, I it, like that. It, it, it's more similar, uh, but it isn't quite the full the – full Bodied experience with the, the real sugar and whatnot in, in your Coca-Cola. It, it wasn't that, but you can see him slowly but surely getting back to at least what Husker fans, I think, expected from a guy who was the top Juco post player in the country last
3: season. Yeah, we got what, what Husker fans expected from him. And the only bad play that he had was that little hook shot that was like five feet away from the basket where he could have just taken an extra dribble, either dunked it or laid it up and in. But, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Big Big, especially, and we talked about this with Andy Barkowski as well, when you got a guy like Cliff Amore in there, too, who is 6'11", he can move like none other, and he's one of the more athletic players in this conference. So how do you lock him down? You're probably going to have to use double teams a lot, and that brings me to this point about rotations that Hoiberg had to say in that press conference. They missed or were slow on a couple of basic rotations he mentioned, and against a team like Rutgers – that is not an option. You cannot miss rotation against this team because you have Amore who averages 13.5. You have Cam Spencer who averages 12.5. And then below that, you have three guys that all average nine. So you have five players that average at least nine points a game. And if you leave one of those guys open, especially at the rack, they're going to make you pay. So rotations out of the double team cannot be missed tonight or else you heard Hoiberg say it. It's gonna get ugly and it'll get ugly early. So as long as you can, you know, stay steady on the defensive side, because we talked about it on the show before, that's what travels in the Big Ten is defense. Mm-hmm. And if you can keep the Rutgers fans out of it for as long as you possibly can, because it gets loud in there, it's it's not a huge venue, that's gonna be huge. So The big, big lineup with double teams at Amori and getting your rotations in on time and finding that offensive scoring outlet outside of Tominaga, those are really the three keys to success here tonight for Nebraska. The spread is 14, which is a little big, I think. I I know Nebraska hasn't been good on the road at all, but 14 is a large spread. I think Nebraska could probably cover, um, but again, if they don't do those three things, I understand how it how it would get more than fourteen
2: well the the question with that line I think is is Rutgers hungover are they fading following that loss to Illinois or is this going to be their their bounce back game their get right game against Nebraska and well, Fred Hoyberg spoke on that last thought here from Fred. he doesn't think that that Rutgers is fading to finish this season
8: no i I, I mean listen you when you play uh two road games and uh you know at Indiana and at Illinois those are two of the harder places to play uh in the league and both those teams are rolling right now so you know very competitive they had a, a pretty significant lead in that game at Illinois before Illinois went on a big run in the second half so it doesn't change anything I mean you know how hard it is to win on the road in this league and I think you can just point to it as it's, it's as simple as that we know they're going to have urgency and we have to withstand the first run the first five minutes are going to be very important tomorrow night in the game because I know they're going to come out and play with great effort they always do it's what Michael, uh you know it's what he does with his team so you know just a great opportunity for us we got to go out there we got nothing to lose you know just go out and play free and uh, and hopefully play well for 40
2: and it's funny fred mentions that first five minutes because that's kind of where i've been at with husker basketball unless the first five more the first eight is where is nebraska at at the under 12 media timeout that that's just where i'm at with husker basketball right now and especially with this job here we wrap up at six i'm doing a whole bunch of work following the show uh for an hour or two and then tonight i got high school basketball that i'm going to be producing so it, it it for me becomes a all right, let's check in. What's Nebraska doing? It's the under-12 media timeout. Oh, they're down by two. This is one that's going to be worth watching down the stretch here, see what they can do, rather than you know some games where it's been, oh, they're they're down by 15 at the under-12 media timeout, a la the, the Michigan game from a week ago where I go, you know what, it's just not their night. I'll wait for them to come back home.
3: Yeah, the first five minutes or the under-12, as you mentioned, has been really up or down because at home – You see Nebraska play some of their best basketball in those first five to ten minutes, and then on the road, you see them play some of their worst basketball in that first five to ten minutes. The only exception to that was Penn State when they came back from 10-0 down. But yeah, that's going to be a crucial part of tonight's game, especially with the environment at the rack.
2: So nebraska Rutgers tonight. Uh, That uh, will be good stuff. Uh, We'll talk about the result tomorrow. After the break, we're going to talk Derek Carr, released by the Raiders today.
1: And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back in, it's Hale
2: Varsity Radio presented by Currency. Elijah Herbal and Connor Clark with you here on this Tuesday afternoon, this rainy Tuesday afternoon, which doubles as Valentine's Day. That's secondary to me. I know my plans after the show include high school basketball and my bowling league. So... That's, that's my one true love. It's it's no woman for me. It's <laughs> sport of bowling. Just
3: turkeys and three hundreds.
2: Yeah, I just got my uh, my bowling balls resurfaced. Actually, nerd talk for a second. And the yeah. turkeys. I, I think I was really locked into what my my balls were doing. That sounds wrong. <laughs> uh, what, what my bowling balls were doing pre resurface.
3: This is why we can't do shows. Together.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the sophomore humor, humor comes out. Uh, but. Then I got them resurfaced, and now they're unpredictable. Now, like, I, I, I throw them in a spot, I expect them to go right into the pocket, and then, no, no, we're going Brooklyn. Or, oh, no, we're getting a, ourselves just a, a nasty, brutal pickup that I, I leave for myself. So.
3: Well, now I have a question. How many bowling balls do you personally own? Because I two. didn't know that you had bowling balls. Oh, they're in my car right now. Just two.
2: Just two. I, I was thinking about getting myself a third this winter, and I went, you know what? Let's resurface these old balls, make them look like they're, they're like new again, and... That has not helped me thus far. So it may be a third bowling ball coming soon.
3: Well, before we get to Derek Carr, how much is... Because I I know nothing about bowling other than, hey, you get the shoes and you try and knock down as many... Like, obviously, Mm. you know how to bowl. Yes. But how much is, like, a bowling ball? Is that a a pricey purchase? It
2: depends if you're in the the, the high-end ball market. Um, I personally... Go for the the clearance rack and the the used balls, which you can buy used bowling balls. I'll fill in the old holes and re drill them for you. It's, it's beautiful. So my uh, first bowling ball was new. My second was used, um, but I tend to look somewhere in the price range a hundred to hundred and fifty dollars. You can you can usually get yourself a decent bowling ball, and if you're on the the used rack, uh, you can find yourself one for less than hundred bucks, somewhere in the fifty to a hundred range. And I should note, I haven't truly dove into the the world of bowling ball shopping since inflation and all this stuff we're seeing recently. So maybe that price has gone up, but I would say realistically you get yourself one for a little over 100 bucks.
3: Well, I guess I I learned something new every day.
2: The, the, where they get you though, the bowling alleys, it's the shoes. Go go if you just go bowling once every couple of weeks, once a month, go buy yourself a pair of bowling shoes. You can continue renting the ball from whatever bowling alley you go to, but like you can get a pair of bowling shoes like 40 bucks, and you're going to save yourself money if you end up going bowling Will that be 10 times. With those shoes, you'll end up saving yourself money. There's Elijah Herbel's advice for the day, as I I see our listenership is probably just waning significantly. People changing the station as we talk bowling. (laughs) I love bowling, okay, guys? Uh, But we'll move on and we'll talk some NFL quarterback carousels. The first move kicked off the quarterback carousel today as the Raiders did what was expected. Uh, It sounds like they were trying to find a trade partner for Derek Carr. Derek Carr said, you know what? I don't want your trade partner. I want to go into the free agency market. So the Raiders officially releasing Derek Carr today just before his $40 million incentive kicks in for being on the roster. So he loses out on $40 million, but he does get to pick his next stop. And it really kicks off what could be, I, it won't be as exciting as last offseason with what we had with Russell Wilson, all the Aaron Rodgers intrigue. We're going to get another offseason of Aaron Rodgers intrigue here, but it does kick off what should be an intriguing quarterback carousel.
3: It should be, and is it wrong of me to think that this has Indianapolis Colts written all over it? For Derek Carr? Yeah. I was thinking Carolina Panthers. That That is also very realistic. I mean, well, if Tom Brady didn't retire, that's what everybody was saying. He was going to go to the Colts because they just like to have one-year rentals now, but... Yeah, I, the the Panthers is definitely a, a a destination for him. The Colts, obviously, you know they they had injuries too, and I'm not going to discount that. But that's definitely a landing spot. Um, I mean, it, it'll be interesting because I'm I'm curious to see how much do NFL teams how much value do they put in Derek Carr right now because he struggled recently. He's still a more than capable starting quarterback in the NFL. But how much value as a fan, too, how much do you put into him? Because as a Bronco fan, too, for you, you see him a lot more than I do as a Bears fan. So how much value would you put into him?
2: He's a quarterback, in my opinion, that is good enough to lead you to the playoffs, but he's not good enough to go win you a Super Bowl. That, that's the best way I'd put it. Is If you surround the right roster around him, Derek Carr can be very successful. Derek Carr can lead you to the postseason. I don't think Derek Carr will ever be that high-level quarterback that's going to go win you a Super Bowl, be the guy. So it, it fits for those teams that are looking for, you know what, we have a good roster in place. We just need the quarterback that's going to take us to the next level. What does, and this is where my mind goes, what does San Francisco think they have with uh, Brock Purdy? Coming off an elbow injury, you thought maybe you had the guy. Are, are they going to be in the market for a guy like Derek Carr? Because with the roster they have there, I think Derek Carr is a slight upgrade on Jimmy Garoppolo. I think. Could, could that be in play? And also, San Fran, it's warm weather. Did you hear this? The Raiders leaking out. Uh, this is via uh, the Athletics' Vic Taffer, uh, who covers the uh, the Raiders. He's the beat writer for the Raiders for the Athletic. Uh, it, it was leaked out to, to him that the Raiders believe that Carr wasn't tough enough to hang in the pocket or play well in cold weather. And that's one of the reasons why that they're moving on, is that they don't think that he's tough enough to make it in the NFL.
3: Well, I'd love to see him go play in Seattle then, if he's going to go to the Niners and play, play a, a critical game in late November, because uh, that's not warm, I'll tell you that much. I, I get it, San Francisco. I don't know how much stock to put into that. That's a good question, though, because... I mean, San Francisco. You have Brock Purdy, who I think he proved his worth for the most part. Like he could be a quarterback in this league. Now it's a matter: does everybody just kind of figure him out, and how much progression does he make? I also think that the Jimmy Garoppolo hates is a little much. I still think Jimmy Garoppolo is still a pretty good quarterback. Now, well, I, I almost put him. He's
2: on a tier just below. Derek Carr, in my opinion, where he's almost in that, that same mold of he's a guy, you know what, you put a good enough team around him. I think that's a guy that's good enough to lead you to the postseason. I don't think you're gonna be winning a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo, as we saw a couple of seasons ago, whenever they went up against Kansas City. The the wheels fell off for Jimmy Garoppolo in the second half and the Chiefs are able to come back and go win that football game. So I, I kinda put him and Derek Carr in the same situation or the same the same mold there. But I think that what I've seen from Derek Carr with the Raiders, and maybe it's just because I've seen him more being a Broncos fan, I think he just got the slight leg up on Garoppolo.
3: I mean, I think that's a fair point to make, but again, we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo go to the bowl, now I obviously didn't win, but and you also see how it ended up playing out with Trey Lance, too, because I know we got Hurts. But when he was in the game versus when Jimmy Garoppolo was in the game, the Niners, I thought, were a lot better of a football team.
2: And then you get the report out there that following the the performances from Brock Purdy, that San Fran locked in as Brock Purdy as being their guy moving forward. And maybe the elbow injury changes some things for them. But they saw enough out of him that they said, you're better than than what we have in Trey Lance. You're our guy for the future, at least reportedly.
3: I mean, I I don't know what you've seen as a as a football fan this goes for anybody i don't know what you've seen from trey lance so far that can really convince you that he is the guy going forward like i really don't because he hasn't a gotten the opportunity because he because of injuries but what he's in there doesn't look that great i mean want to hear a fun stat yes tom brady his final season in the nfl
2: this past year threw more uh passes attempts than trey lance had in his, his entire career high school college and pro tom brady had more passing attempts last season alone
3: wow that is mind blown my i i will say too because this is the bears fan up coming out of me justin fields did beat Trey lance one on one in a monsoon
2: it's got to be nice for you to to be watching the quarterback carousel and not wor- worrying about what your team's going to be doing you guys have your guy i think you
3: just got to worry about what they're going to do with a pick <laughs>
2: So the, uh, the first domino in the quarterback carousel kicks off. Maybe Aaron Rodgers, his darkness retreat later this week. Maybe a second domino uh, kicks off as Rodgers maybe decides where he wants to go. We'll uh, finish up the show after the break. Tail Varsity Radio.
1: Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: Wrapping up a Tuesday edition, it's Hail Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment, financing needs. Go Currency. It's Elijah Herbal and Connor Clark taking you through this show today. Schmitty out today, back tomorrow, as we'll be back four to six on your Wednesday, as tomorrow we're going to have uh, our usual suspects, Mike Babcock joining us, Mike Shuhart joining us, and... Uh, be determined. Other than that, we'll have to have to get connected to Schmitty <laughs> I got it somewhere in my phone. We 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 have, we have a 505 as well, but there's something there's how, something happening. How professional. the <laughs> <If> a <laughs> show closes this one. Eh, Schmitty knows who we got at 5.05 tomorrow. We'll, <laughs> we'll get his take. Schmitty back again at 4 to 6 tomorrow afternoon, and I'm sure he'll let us know uh, what interviews we got planned for Hour 2 on your Wednesday edition of Hail Varsity Radio. Before we get out of here today, though, Connor, uh, saw... A guy I respect in the college football national media. His name is Josh Pate. If you know him, he hosts the Late Kick with Josh Pate. I know Connor is shaking his head in uh, in acknowledgement. You know who Josh Pate is. I think he's more popular, maybe among the younger generation. Uh, he's a guy who's been calling, covering college football for a long time. Uh, he's had his... Uh, Josh Pate toured this season where he on to different college football venues, uh, a lot of ones he's wanted to see, uh, a Southern guy. So I always like and respect his opinion regarding Nebraska because he's kind of out of this bubble that we have here, this Husker media bubble of what's going on. And, and uh, he gave his take on Husker football, why he thinks Matt Rule was the, the correct hire for Husker football, as well as uh, what he thinks the ceiling could be for Matt Rule now that he's seen a couple months of the Matt Rule tenure. And this kind of goes hand in hand with the recruitment of Dylan Ryle and Nebraska kind of, shooting high. So he gave his take on why he thinks Matt rule, in Nebraska could be the right marriage and why he thinks he could see Nebraska
0: back into to national prominence, prominence, excuse me, sooner rather than later. The popular sentiment is Nebraska can never win at a high level again. I think we got to very clearly define what we mean by this. Are they going to be a dynasty in college football again? No, I don't believe that's possible. I don't, it's hardly possible for anyone. So especially Nebraska, But is it possible for them to win? Could we ever see Nebraska play for a national title? I'm not ready to say no on that. And the reason is because I think the sport is sort of coming to them a little bit. I think the sport, people are going to misuse TCU as an example, but what allowed TCU to just do what they did and then adding in the benefit of the transfer portal era It actually, I think, makes it statistically a little more likely that if you have the right head coach there, you could have a year or two where where they just for whatever reason, the ingredients come together. I just I don't think I'm not trying to sell you on the idea that Nebraska could go on a prolonged run where they average 10 wins a season for a decade. That is asking way too much of almost any program, much less Nebraska. But they just signaled something to you. Matt rules the head coach there and they had to fight to get him they could have mailed it in they could have gone and and hired and also ran they could have guaranteed themselves bowl eligibility and just kind of resigned themselves to the idea that good enough is enough they're not doing that so credit nebraska and let's see what they do so there's josh
2: pate with your dose of national media realism for the day that's why i respect josh it's a very reasonable take kind of uh It's closer to what my views are on Husker football than a lot of other people. So that was a good way to close the show today. We'll be back tomorrow, 4 to 6. Check out the podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
1: A Huda
0: Media Production.